0: Father, we're coming before you right now, and we're saying, thank you. This is Easter. You rose from the dead. That doesn't happen. It's not real. In our reality, that's not a reality. In your reality, that's all the time. We say thank you today. That 2016 years ago, people walked to a place to help make sure you were being taken care of well after your death, and freaked out because you weren't there, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, talked a little bit. I was kind of building up to this. Palm Sunday is a day not of vengeance. It's a day not for a conqueror to come in on a horse and destroy everybody, all our enemies. It's a day for a conqueror to come in and make peace on a donkey, and It's a week-long process, and at the end of the, the message I was sharing with you guys, if you were to go back to that moment on Palm Sunday and just watch him entering Jerusalem, and you saw him, what would you want to do? You wouldn't scream. You wouldn't be chanting with the crowd. I think we would all be saying in our own ways, thank you so much, thank you so much, thank you so much, thank you so much. And this week was the week that he did it. Easter preaching for me, I don't know if this is part of the package when God calls you to preach, there's extra juice. I feel, I woke up at 4 a.m. and it was over. I woke up, I was like, hello. I felt like, I felt like a cartoon character. Like, I was like, I was like walking around praying in my house. I was skipping. I was like, I even need to take a shower. I didn't take a shower. It's Easter. Literally, I don't wake up at four. I couldn't go back to bed. Sarah gets up at six and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, it's Easter. I'm awake. And I, I didn't even need coffee. I drank four cups. I didn't even need them. <laughs> serious, I was like, I tried to go back to bed. It wasn't happening. I feel like there's like this extra juice. And I don't know if it's part of the package when you're a pastor. But this day, it, it is our Super Bowl. It's, and it's not the only important day, right? Last week we know, resurrection's all the time. But this is the day when everything changed. That's why people come out of the woodwork that you never see on Easter and you don't have any idea who they are because this day is important and it's even celebrated by the world in some cases and and we don't even know why but for us and for me it's Easter there's just something with it it's extra I don't have to it's just here and so I'm thankful for that I think as we get into what I'm going to talk about it's a little bit like this message has become like a little bit flat you know It's 2016 Easter's, seriously, like we've heard the story. So let's get together, let's pitch in on a helicopter, let's drop some eggs, bring them, you know what I'm saying? Let's get some Christian ninjas out, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that with the gospel, but it's like, it's a little bit of a tell-all. It's like, we really don't think the gospel's enough. So how about we do this stuff too? How about we make it about bunnies, right? The cross isn't enough because the cross and bunnies really actually go really well together. If you think about it, like it makes total sense, right? A bunny, some eggs, the death of Jesus, and then the resurrection. And I'm not knocking on that, I'm just saying it's been 2016 years. I have a friend who's a missionary to Burma that we met with two weeks ago who's going to come here in a few weeks and share a little bit about his story. And he was talking about how he's over there trying to like plant churches. And everybody there is like a year into the faith. So if you're a pastor, you've been a, you've been a Christian for a year. And they're by far the strongest Christians. So like in America, we have people around us, Tom around me, David from Stonebridge, vintage pastor, all these pastors that have been around for a long time. If you're a year into the faith there, and he was saying that he would watch these pastors sit down with people in Burma and just share the gospel, just like, like this. I'm going to read you this passage and just read it and they would be blown away without having to get it piperized or kellerist or any of it just I'm going to read you this passage and people in Burma are freaking out because they've never heard of it they don't understand it and they just read the simple gospel and people are being radically saved that would not work in America you would all leave this church if you showed up every Sunday and all I did was read to you amen no, of that. we have to make it like special and cool right because for some reason this story has been it's just been and we're all we all know it you all could most of you in this room could preach to me the gospel right now I could hand over the mic and I could say what is the gospel and you could walk me through it when someone who's never heard it receives it it changes everything and I just think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that that's the way it's supposed to be received. So I just want to pray for you today. Do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes, okay? As we begin today, I'm going to pray that you would have new eyes to see this. That you would almost erase all of the invite strategies. And this is everything today. we got to get people to Jesus today. And you would just come and hear a story about a man you find out isn't a man but he's actually man and God and you would let it be new so father right now in Jesus name through your Holy Spirit's power I pray that this gospel would just be enough today to set captives free to give identity to bring peace where there is restlessness and horror and pain to bring joy where there's only mourning and for the people that are hearing this that can't find even one reason why they should go on, that this would be good enough news for them to go on. That whatever way it would be good news, they would receive it in such a way that it's actually good news to them. That the words that I speak won't be words to harm or insult or to batter or to weigh down, but they're actually form-fitted for the space of a person's heart to receive as water-quenching dryness. That's what I pray today, that the gospel of good news would actually be good news. We receive it fully and want it wholly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I had a way to kind of see something with new eyes. It was a couple weeks ago, I was looking at my wife, who, she's outside. In a few weeks, I'm gonna brag on her for about an hour, because she's owned the kids' ministry for three months and has done an amazing job with it. We've got some news coming soon about that, which is gonna be fun. But I looked at her, and she's, my wife's beautiful. I mean, I know that. You guys know that, you've seen her. I can say that. But I looked her through the other week, and I was like, she really is attractive. I mean, comparatively speaking to other women. (laughs) She's more attractive. <laughs> you know like when you have those moments when you're married or you have the opposite moments when you're married too? You're like, what in the world? That's what she thinks when she looks at me. Sometimes I look at me and I'm like, I feel sorry for her. <laughs> but I literally, I think we were at home and she's the kind where she doesn't wear makeup. She's still pretty. And she just, I just looked at her and I was like, wow, I'm a lucky guy. I pray that today you can look at this gospel without its makeup, without its, all of its stuff, and just, again, be like, oh my goodness, Like that is beautiful. Does that make sense? It's got to be beautiful for your heart. It can't just be this guy telling you about something. It's got to be personalized for you for it to become real. And he wants it to be better than you can think it will be. And it's not just you're a sinner, stop sinning. That's not the gospel. Do you know that? That's not the gospel. The gospel is, I have a nature I'm trying to give you that will give you freedom and include you in a family like you've never seen, a family where enemies end up crying over one another, a family where they fall in love with one another, a family where you have loved ones that leave this place to go to a better place forever, where there is no death. That sounds pretty fantastic. Because none of us want to die, correct? It's awful. Actually, it's the, it's the number one fear. You guys, oh, you guys already know that. The number one fear is the fear of death. Um, and every other fear, you've probably heard this before, can be related to the fear of death in some way. And so the story I'm about to read you is going to probably make a little more sense. We're going to rewind back. Everybody go, Nobody's going to do it? I'll just wait here until we do it. Everybody go, All right. That's enough, guys. Calm down just needed one person to do it. All right, can you open your Bibles to Matthew 27? We're going to rewind back to Friday. So today's important, but what happened three days ago, okay? Matthew 27, 45 through 54. While you're opening, I just want to say thank you to the kids' ministry who's not in here. There's like 30 volunteers right now. We've never had that many, and they're all down. Do you guys see downstairs as you were coming up? They look awesome. I don't know if we can use that space, but we'll find out, I guess. (laughs) pretty super awesome, right? <laughs> oh, we, we can't? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, Matthew 27, Open your Bibles, 45 through 54. Okay. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's actually quoting scripture right there from Psalms. It's not actually a, um, he's not actually freaking out because he's been forsaken. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Side note, because Elijah didn't die and they thought he was still coming back to save. So they were waiting, they were thinking maybe maybe he's coming back. Maybe that's what he's doing, it's not what he's doing. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Right? Because they're still wanting a conqueror to come and destroy everybody. He's going to die in a minute. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rock split in half. Rock split in half. Okay? Rock split in half, and then the craziest thing in the Bible happened. This is the craziest thing in the Bible. Right here. After rocks split, <laughs> the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Do you know this is in the Bible? Bodies came out of graves and appeared in the holy city, just walking around, right? This is why news, like Fox News and C, could not have existed then, because we'd have been like, oh, somebody's putting on a play. It's probably Tyler Perry's Passion, the first edition. Bodies got out of the grave and walked around. Think about this. You're walking around and homeboy that definitely died is over there. And then your great-aunt Lucy is over there. This is a different day. People got out of death and came to life and walked around. So this is what I love, and this is why well, I wanted to start with this. The very worst thing that could happen to us is to find out that there is a God and that we are disconnected from him, but he has a plan to send someone, his son, to help us. That's good news. But the worst possible news would be to find that son and go and kill him. There's no worse news than that. There is a God. We find his son. How on earth he got here, I don't know. And we kill him. So the very biggest, worst fear that can happen not only happens, but it happens to the very only one who can help us. And so this is terrible news. Does that make sense? And so what is good news is that it didn't work. What is good news is that the worst thing that can happen wasn't the end. The very worst thing that can happen to us Every fear wrapped up in this is being shown to every human throughout history. This will not work with this person, which in turn can bring everyone peace. The worst thing is realized. So, fast forward a little bit. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. You're getting scripture today. It's Resurrection Sunday. You need to eat it up, okay? Everybody say, okay? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> here's the here's the funny thing about this so this already happened Jesus has been walking around and telling everybody hey I'm hey Rachel I'm gonna die and I'm coming back to okay thank you Jesus and like as you read that previously you're like I, I get it he's totally gonna do that it's gonna happen we're, re, well, we're reading it from here right all the way back for some reason everybody that hears this does not think it's gonna happen And so even afterwards, the very closest people to him were not expecting it to happen. I don't get that. There's messianic prophecies all throughout the Old Testament that talk exactly about this and exactly the way it would happen. I mean, Isaiah 53, 54, 55, all of it is about, and this is 2,600 years ago, is about this thing happening. And these guys all know the word better than any of us. And so it's, I don't, I don't have a good point here. I just don't understand it. Why in the world does nobody see it coming? Here's another curveball. If we were there, we wouldn't have either. So, it happens. And here's when it happens. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And I asked you to turn it. I didn't turn, because I was telling you stuff about stuff. Now I'm going to turn super quick. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. (laughs) This is awesome. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene Went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. That's an interesting, like, athletic take on two guys running. It's really important. And one of them got beat. I just think that's interesting. I'm not saying that other than. There's a guy that lost in Scripture, and I feel like that's pretty poor of John to... Anyway, he outran Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been removed from Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen, Finally, the other disciple showed up, (laughs) who reached the tomb. First also went inside. He saw and believed. First guy who would believe. Right here, first guy who would believe. That's it. First belief, right there. They still did not understand, though, from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And I don't get that. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she's like, seriously, they took away Jesus. She's talking to angels, like we all do, you know. (laughs) They took away Jesus. What in the world? I lost my place, so I'm going to keep doing that until I get it. She said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not really for sighting of Jesus post-resurrection, and he's not even recognized. And, okay. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. That's just boldness right there. But she's talking to Jesus, so that's awkward. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to the Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. First statement. I have seen the Lord. And it would prove to be a very important statement. I have seen the Lord. It happens to be the difference in someone I will listen to who wants to tell me about Jesus and someone I won't. Because if you've seen the Lord, then you'll carry whatever he has for you. And you'll be believable because it'll be your own story and not just something you've heard. And that's what he does for people. He makes it so real for you that you would give everything for him. And until you have a moment where you taste and see that he is good, keep searching for for him. Amen. I have no idea what's going to happen today, guys. I have resurrection juice all over me. Uh, That's not scriptural. (laughs) Alleviate that from the podcast. So, for me, this moment feels like this. Like, there's this really strange space right here. Everything that needs to happen for the world to receive Jesus has happened. It's happened. It's done. He's got to ascend and go to the Father and come back so the Holy Spirit can be given. That's a big deal for us but everything, and there's this quiet space, right? It's like opposite Palm Sunday when they're cheering. Millions of people cheering. There's a couple people that know, and there's this space. And Jesus has everything finished that needs to be finished, and he doesn't do anything for a little bit. I mean, I just think about I don't know why I feel like this is important, but it's all I've been thinking about for two weeks, this part. And there's not much to it. But I just i picture myself sitting in the woods. My favorite place to be with the Lord Go, go in the woods. I don't want to look at any buildings. I don't want to look at creation. I don't want to look at anything created by man. I just want to look at trees and birds. I want to have ants near me. I want to be in nature. And I, for some reason, when I think of this, like this quietness, it's morning and like the sun's coming out and Jesus has risen and nobody knows it. And like there's this space where nobody knows it. Everybody could be saved. Nobody's saved, right? And then the entrance into it is one person and then two people and then three people and to me if i'm mary magdalene do you know the scene in elf and if you haven't seen elf i'm going to ask you to leave right now <laughs> you know the scene in elf where he's in the shower just singing and he shouldn't be in there and like she's like she realizes someone's harmonizing with her and she's like whoa and he and what's his face like puts his hand over his eyes and runs into the wall like the best scene in the whole movie My whole family laughs for an hour. That's, if I'm here, I feel like I would do that. Like, as soon as I saw him, I'd be like, huh, and just run into a tree, and the gospel would be dead, because I'd just be laying there. That's how excited I feel about what she is getting, right? So why is this good news for her? Why for her is this good news? First and foremost, before you theologicalize it, this is just someone she really, really loves. And he was dead, and he's not dead anymore. And not only that, he's Right there, like she's touching him. She can't touch him. Probably doesn't even understand why. Her loved one. And why does she love him? Because she was filled with seven demons, and he took all of them out of her. What the what? (laughs) She is free. She knows Jesus. He's now alive again after the worst thing that could happen. Now she's looking at him. I'd run directly into a tree, I'd be done right there. You'd have to come get me and carry me? So why is this good news? She knows that she knows that the very worst thing that can happen to any of us isn't the worst thing anymore. You don't have to fear death anymore. You don't. So take our lives all day long for the sake of the gospel. Because Jesus said, here's my life. He didn't come to be a central figurehead. He didn't come to show us how we should honor man. He came to show us how we should die for one another and serve the world. And he did it by showing us. See, maybe this is why in the Old Testament, all words, this is going to happen, Messiah, Messiah, Isaiah 53, all these other passages, it's all words. And so it didn't catch, right? And so the gospel happens, they're like, I don't know, where'd homeboy go? We better take off. I'm about to deny him three times. He's running out of here. He's, he's gone, right? Like Tyler Perry's going to make a show about this. Like, the reason that it didn't happen was because it was all words up until that point. Sure, he had raised people from the dead. Sure, he had done miracles. Wasn't enough. He had to do what he had to do. And once it happened, people started to catch on like this. And they went from being people that knew about this through the Torah to people who lived it and were willing to do whatever for it. You could cut my head off, they would say. And I know I've shared this with you before, but the story of one of the disciples who is taken miles, walked by Roman guards, and at the end, he's praising Jesus as he leans over and has his head decapitated, and then the Roman guard says, do the same to me. That's more real than anything I've ever seen. Because Jesus is that real, and when you have seen the Lord, everything has to change. And if it hasn't all changed, re-evaluate it because he came for more than just looking good being good not sinning being a part of a good group he came so that the world would live again and we're now the carriers i could i could do super old school stuff right now that i'm not going to do oh he can be trusted is what happened at the cross that's awesome Is that country? Is that country? <laughs> That's awesome! What was that? What was the song? Yeah, sure, sure you were. Yeah, we're playing it for our kids too. Oh, that was that was such a bad Easter moment. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so. Reel it back in. The first gospel carrier becomes a woman. So, in this culture, that's a pretty big deal. In fact, I read through Acts 2. I read it all again this morning last night. Acts 4, Acts 17. And every, this, is, this will freak you out. In every instance where this gospel is preached, one of the first things said, and prominent women took to Jesus. And a woman showed up and heard the message. And women were saved. And women were used. The very first gospel messenger is a woman. And in this society, I can promise you that's a big deal. I can promise you that's a big deal. I love that about our Lord. There is no division between us. We're all souls. We're all souls thirsty for a creator, thirsty for identity, thirsty for understanding. All of us. We're all equal. It doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, what gender you are. We are all equals. And we're all in need and we're all hungry and thirsty. And He's the only one that can provide that. And if you don't believe it ask him to show you and he will if you mean it she's the first gospel carrier he shows up in a person and then to some and then there's a few more people that he actually shows up for like he hovers through a wall right just stuff that Jesus does in the first part here he hovers through a wall and he shows up to disciples last year on Easter if you were here some of you were I preached about it he showed up and he had to prove to people listen I'm here I'm hovering through walls And then even some more people, and I kind of feel like the reason is this very foundational level, had to see the Lord. They would be the first gospel carriers. They had to see the Lord. Some others will. Some have. Even people in this room have said, I've seen Jesus. These people scripturally saw Jesus and then received his gospel because they can say, I saw the Lord. I believed. And then it says, take your hands off me for I have to ascend. So this gospel message goes from these guys now to the next tier of people. And so in the book of Acts, you see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and lands on people's heads and there's flames of fire over people's heads. That's the word, okay? And then at the end of that, you see all of these people come to the Lord. Gospel message preached with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now they don't have to see Jesus in person. Now Jesus lives through the Holy Spirit in his believers and so the body becomes Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 4. He heals a dude. And then gets taken to court because he healed a dude. Because, of course, that's terrible. They bring him out and they say, listen, Peter, stop talking about the resurrection. Stop talking about it. And they basically say, no. In fact, in the moment, they preach. It's like one of the most beautiful, I would contend Acts 2 and Acts 4 are two of the most beautiful sermons ever, ever preached. I think in heaven they're probably like, who do you think had the best sermon I would... I'd be like, Peter did either here or here. Jesus, of course, is Jesus. But in Acts chapter four, he uses the message to preach to even them, and many believe. And they come to the Lord, and they ask this question. I've gotta turn my page, I'm sorry, I'm getting there. It says they were cut to the heart. So the gospel's preached, please look at me. And when it's preached in Acts chapter two, people were cut to the heart, and they had to ask the question, why am I feeling this? And what am I going to do about it? And there was joy connected to it, and they wanted it, okay? First one, Acts chapter 4, they started asking questions like, what do I do? They hear the gospel, and they ask, what, tell me what I got to do. I just want to know. Now that I've heard it, what do I got to do, right? In Acts chapter 17, he goes to three places, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. And in each place, many are saved. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it becomes what is preached it's the new what everyone is talking about. It's whenever anybody's introduced to Jesus, resurrection is involved, because this will be how they get him. Does it make sense? So he's fought against in each chapter, people receive him in each chapter. And then, oh, why I do church the way that I feel like I do it, and why I don't feel like I have to apologize for it when people want other things. We are the body of Christ. If we do not exist, the world cannot see Jesus. It's not about sitting in a room and listening to an amazing preacher. And it's not only about miracles. If we are not the body of Christ, the world will not have a body to be healed in, to find faith in, to be loved well. We become how people see Jesus how do I know this? Because in each of those passages, Acts 2 and Acts 4, listen to what follows. Can you pull up Acts 2, 42 through 47? This is right after 3,000 people are saved. Like the gospel has gone forth. Resurrection power, Holy Spirit. It's going nuts. People think people are drunk. He's like, people are not drunk. It's too early for that. Although we do know that a lot of people can start drinking super early. Not here. But the, the immediate thing that follows these people getting saved is this. You can pull up Acts 2:42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need, right? Ah. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The body of Christ, this, it's not you, solo, awesome gospel representer that takes the gospel to the world. It's not just your job, right? All of us together. And when people come into that, they come alive. Acts chapter 4, can you pull up Acts chapter 4? I think it's verse 32 through 34, is that correct? All the belie- this is after they preach in jail, basically, and get out. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their... Why does it keep mentioning this stuff? Like, seriously, just praise break. People get saved and resurrected, and they start talking about how what's mine is not mine anymore? Does that sound like modern American Christianity? So what's mine is now yours. You don't have a place to live, you live in my basement. Better yet, I'll live in my basement. You live in my bed. Awkward, but you can figure that out. You don't have enough food to eat, I'll provide your food to eat. You don't have money to pay your bills, I'll provide your food. And not just someone to you, you to someone. This is what started happening. All the believers were of one mind and one heart. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerful at work in in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses (laughs) sold them. And okay, before you think that's what I'm asking you to do, they would sell their houses and bring everything that they got from it and say, whoever has need, this is for them. Okay. What resurrection does to hearts is this. It allows you to die and say, This isn't the very worst thing that mine has taken. And then there's the, this last part is just hilarious. And they put it at all apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's why you need to trust your leadership. And then Joseph pops on the scene, a Levite from Cyprus, who was the apostles, called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. It's a pretty great name. Is there one more on there? We're gonna. Is, I, I said thirty-six. Can you pull up thirty-seven or no? I'll pull it up. Got to read that last one now. Stay with me, guys. It's coming. You guys, still with me? You're all looking at me weird. Thirty-six. All right. I'm sorry, guys. I feel more awkward than you. I promise. All right. Here it is. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Everything they had was now not theirs. The message of Jesus, everything that's mine is is now yours. So for me, I'm going to try and bring this in for you. It's a little interesting that from one personal story to Mary Magdalene, think of every personal story that had to be traveled through and owned for it to get to this room every personal story in small communities, in the massive communities, all weaving together this huge quilt to somehow get the gospel to us and now we get the gospel. And now the gospel is ours. The good news is ours. And I'm not going to badger you with this. You have to taste and see it and then you have to give it to others if it's good. It's our job now. Because 100 years from now, because I'll just throw this out there, I don't, I'm not a doomsday guy. I don't believe it's the worst time the world's ever seen. I think it's been worse. I think they had it worse right after this, actually, when Christians were being eaten by lions. That was pretty tough, right? So I, I kind of think we'll be here for a while. And I kind of think when they were saying the end is coming, I kind of think that was 2,000 years ago. And it's, it's now. So let's live like we're going to be here and love like we're going to be here. Let's give like we're going to be here. Let's go after people like we don't have to challenge them and make sure they know it's terrible out there. It's terrible. Our world is evil. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're the gospel. So don't want to fly away on a thing that happens, but want to exist in the midst of brokenness, where people need you, where hurting are, where there's poor in spirit. That's where the gospel goes. And where it goes, there comes life. Because we have Jesus. Jesus lives in us communally and individually. So, do you hear him today? Please look at me. I'm going to finish quick. And I actually didn't preach that long. I kind of want to preach longer. I might a little bit. Do you hear and see him? Do you hear and see him? Do you hear and see him? Do you know that he is reaching towards you right now? Listen to these words written. These words were written exactly 2,697 years ago. Okay? Can you pull up Isaiah 55? Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. My prayer for you today, and we're going we're gonna to end with this in a minute. There's two camps here, okay? And you should have a sheet of paper near you that's blue or green. And if you do, you're going to interact with it. There's two camps. There's one camp that your your statement that you're saying is... What must I do? You're saying what they said in Acts 2 and Acts 4. Now listen to me, this is the first one. What must I do? Tell me more. I want it. I love what I'm hearing. I can feel Jesus. I desire it. What must I do? Tell me what to do. If that happens to be you on your piece of paper, you do not have to do anything today. But on your piece of paper, just write your name. And when we have prayer, we are going to pray with you, or you can just, you can keep it. No, no arms twisted, I would love to pray with you. Now secondly, we're going to take communion in a minute. When we do that, after you've received communion, all who are thirsty and hungry, I believe, are invited to the table. I believe if you desire the Lord, you're invited. I ask that you hand that sheet to one of our prayer teams and let them pray with you. There's baptism coming up. There's life groups. I'm not going to derail what God's doing right now. You need to join a life group, I think. Second group is this. You have seen the Lord, okay? Here's your challenge for Easter. One name of one person who needs good news. I'm not asking you to find the worst evil person in your life. I'm just asking you, who's one person that touches your life that needs good news? One person And on your sheet of paper, I ask that you would write that person's name. I'm not going to follow up with you a ton on this. I would love it if you prayed for a year. Here's your year-long commitment that you'll forget about, maybe. One year, one person, not to invite them to church, but that they would receive the good news. One person in your life. If you've never shared the gospel before, let this be your first challenge. You can. You have a story. You're able to. God's done something in you. You have resurrection power in your heart. You've experienced it. One person, one year, pray for them, love on them, write their name down. In fact, right now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Father, that you would show us, for those of us that have tasted and seen, and we can say, I have seen the Lord. Who is someone this year that we can pray for, that we can reach out to that we can love, that we can share, that we can make sure that they have everything they need. Who is a person in our lives that we can become gospel people? This message is good enough that we will do what it's intended for, for other people, God. If we can have the ministry team come up. For those people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, If you've never been baptized, we're having our first one in two weeks. Let's get baptized, all right? We're going to do it outside. Look, this is all you have to do. You have to respond to this. Super easy, right? If you have not been baptized, everybody say what this says. Right. Amen. Sign that in a little bit. Secondly, again, join a life group, Body of Christ. Can I ask you all to stand with me really quickly? Bill, you want to go ahead and come up? Just a second, Bill's going to share with you how to do communion because at our candlelight service, there were like four bottlenecks. Sorry about that. We would just ask you, Lord, today, allow us to wholly own this. Let our our hearts sense and feel the drawing of your spirit saying, come to the waters, come eat, come drink. Today, in Jesus' name, I pray that the gospel would be realized. We ask you to penetrate Smyrna, God, not so that we can build a giant church, but so that your gospel and good news can bring life where it isn't. We ask that if we need to invite somebody into our home, if we have six empty bedrooms in our house and there are people in need all around us, help us to see if we're rich beyond people's wildest dreams and there are people in need all around us. Help us to see if, if we can help somebody with one meal. If there are people hurting around us and we carry the gospel, help us to go after them and give them the good news of whatever they need at that moment. We invite you to lead right now. We believe that you speak. We trust you, Lord. As we were praying before service, I felt like it was almost like I saw the darts of the enemy trying to, like, infiltrate this room. And I felt like the Lord wants you to know that they have no power. They're lies. The enemy uses lies. It's his native language, and it's very believable to us because we're just, we're us. But the only thing that can conquer and destroy those lies are the truth of Jesus. And so if there are things right now that you feel like are just attacking you, just darts, almost like bullets, like hitting you, we ask God that you would show their limit and that we would, you would show your limitlessness, that you would show that you are vastly beyond those things. And I, pr- I pray in Jesus' name that they have no power right now, that even in this room right now as I pray that they would have no power. People will begin to experience and feel the peace of Jesus overcome their, their fears. People begin to experience the joy of Jesus. Right now, I pray for joy. The kingdom is joy. I pray for the righteousness through Jesus, not our own righteousness, because we cannot. We accept the, the gift of your righteousness, God. You conquered the grave for us. You made an everlasting covenant with the Father for us, and we accept that gift through you. We come as partakers of the covenant. We sit at the table by what you did not what we did as a gift we accept we say thank you in jesus name and this table represents us coming and saying we desire only you fill us in jesus name